so I gotta get the stream started. Oh, well, it's starting. I just gotta unmute us. Oh, dang it. Actually, Mike, talk. I'm Mike, and I'm talking. Alright, that's good. That's me. Okay. I, I live somewhere else now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a whole new room, isn't it? Huh. Yeah, see? Cool. Alright, um, let me close that tab. I got that. Alright. Five, four, three... It's the internet, you're busy, let's do this. Welcome to the Games Beat Decides podcast. This is the podcast where we decide everything about the world of games so you don't have to think for yourselves. I'm your host, Jeffrey Grubb. With me is... Hey, it's me, Mike Minotti, coming to you live from the new Chateau de Minotti. Yeah, how'd that go? How'd the moving go? Yeah, it went pretty well. So, pretty easy. So I now live in a house and not in apartments. So, gotta, gotta love living on a game journalism salary, not in a city. You can do yeah, these kind of things. It's very different from my situation right now. <laughs> renting a house, but we're looking around. We uh, la- Literally last week, there was, uh, for the first time in years, there was this house in a program for teachers where it's like homes for heroes or something like that. And it's this really nice house. And basically, you have to pay half the price. And we did all the work for it. Uh, but it was apparently like a lottery system. And they just they got back to us like, you didn't get it. Huh. And it's like, yeah, it's a, uh, it sounds like uh, thousands of people went for it. So, yeah, Denver is kind of a, a mess right now for that kind of stuff. But uh, it, it's exciting living vicariously through you. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, enough. In today's episode, we are going to get into some news and some games, mostly God of War. Uh, but first, I want to thank everyone for joining us. You can get more from me and Mike at gamesbeat.com. If you have something to share with the podcast, you can get us on Twitter at GB Decides or at gamesbeat. Uh, you can also hit us up on our email address, gamespluspodcast at venturebeat.com. Uh, that's a plus sign in there. If you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube or Twitch, there's an audio version of the show that's on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else where you can get podcasts. Uh, finally, if you like the show, rate us on Apple Podcasts. I said Apple Podcasts a lot in like the last few yeah, right. seconds. Um, it helps the show. All right. Uh, so, yeah, other than setting up the house, what you what you been up to, Mike? Uh, I was playing some more God of War, really. Uh Besides that, you know, uh, today's my first full day here, so I was trying to, like, I'm getting used to playing my standards in the new room, getting mm-hmm. my Overwatch, my Hearthstone, some, some Fortnite going. Uh, you know, it, it already feels like home. Oh, that's good, yeah. Uh, have you had any friends over yet to, like, play any, like, co-op games or something? No, no, that's not like, What co-op games do I play anymore? I don't know. What games are those, Jeff? I don't like couch play, co-op stuff. You know, that doesn't necessarily just mean cooperative. Like just couch, co- just yeah, couch, like couch game. I think I play like in the last few years or like switch things like, right. or, or like smash bros on the Wii. Besides that, man. Right. So like that, uh, that Tetris, Puyo Puyo Tetris or whatever, or something like that. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I don't know. Uh, God of war though. If you've been playing a lot of that, I've been playing a, a bit of it. I haven't been able to put as much time into it as, uh, as I want. I'm getting like an hour per day, maybe, uh, which, means it's going to take me like a month, I think, <laughs> based on my the progress I'm making. Uh, yeah, you don't even like it, though. I, that's not true, necessarily. I, I I think it might not be for me. You say this about a director. You just say this about good games. I don't know if I Why say Why aren't good games for you? I, I think that the way... I, honestly, it just might be Sony first-party stuff. The way that they do things just might not be for me, and I think that's okay. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, because like, I don't think we were doing this... Po- were we doing this podcast when Uncharted... Four came out. I don't think we ever really got into it on that. We just. Talked. I don't think so. Yeah. So I, yeah, I want to hear this articulated. Then what what is it that you don't necessarily like? Um, it, it does feel like it it it's the prioritization of 
cinematics and narrative over um, mechanics and interaction. And it's not like it's not a game. Like, it's totally a game. This is not a walking simulator or something right, like so that. Even, I'm sorry. You said, yeah, go keep going. No, no, it's, it's okay. It, it's they, they definitely they give you a lot to do in combat. The combat is starting to open up a lot more for me now. And, and it's, it's more interesting, but um, it, it does just feel like even when you are in that open world part and you're exploring stuff and you're, uh, you know, if you're, you have, you're deciding what weapon you want to upgrade and you're going to look for the parts for it. Um, it just, it, it just feels like you're being very much guided and funneled in a way um, it, to, to avoid any, sort of uh, uh, emergent experiences. They all, they want to understand anything you could be doing at any one time and make it sure it's as polished as possible. And there's a ton of people who love that. And I'm not going to take it, take it away from anyone. It just feels very um, uh, like, like safe. And like, I'm going to be getting the same exact experience as everyone else. And, 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 and I don't hate that. It's just not the thing that excites me to the point where I feel compelled to just push through this game right away. It's they're very playable games. They absolutely are. So, are, they, do you, so you say do you inherently like dislike a linear game like this more than something more open? And this isn't even like super linear. It's not as linear as Uncharted, but just yeah, I, inherently you you dislike that more. Yeah, I, it's not even necessarily like linear versus open. Not necessarily because I'm thinking of like. Um, you know, there's some some linear action like 2D games. Even then, I'm like, oh, you know, it's it's fast and it's like they're the thing that they prioritize is like the combo system or uh, just like timing and, and timing and combat, and it's all combat 24 um, seven. And it, it, you know, I can like get into that. Pr- like, you know, I'll spend a lot of time doing something like that and really enjoy it. Uh, it's just that I think it's when you when you do prioritize this very like, very clean. Like the visuals on the screen are what matter more than anything. So that if someone's sitting next to you and watching this game, they are getting nearly as, as much enjoyment out of it as you are. Uh, is it's just not very exciting to me. Yeah, I, I, so I understand what you're trying to say, but I, I feel like you're down not downplaying, but I feel like in your submission, like like God, like you said, God of War is not a blocking simulator, but the whole thing is pretty much still gameplay. It's still almost always solving puzzles. Uh, combat or like exploring so you know and then the characters are talking to each other to kind of i guess that's a little bit of the filler maybe that no, I, you're feeling look, all they do everything that they do in terms of that stuff is maybe like the best that anyone does it which makes again makes it very playable and makes it very much like i i can see how people could just sink like 30 hours into this over a weekend like i can i could see how that a lot of people are that way um i uh and and you know, maybe save for the puzzles. The puzzles will make okay. I could take them or leave them. They're they're not bad, but they, I think you know, the puzzles are pretty are kind of fun. Yeah, the they whole can be, freezing right. thing and the X thing, like you know, there's no, none of it is bad. Like that is for sure. None, nothing in this game is bad. Like, and that's my uh, where I'm always kind of wrestling with myself. And and to be fair, I'm still I think relatively early, maybe eight hours in. Yeah. Um, and it ha- and it is getting better. Each hour is kind of seemingly better than the last. So so that's very encouraging as well. I'm just there is a uh, sort of line where I'm like, okay, I can't help but feel like I want to go play- keep playing this game or that game. Um, a, lot, a lot of times this comes to like multiplayer games where I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go put a couple hours into Rainbow Six Siege, or I just I want to go do that. That's like what I think about a lot. Um, and that happens with some some single player games. I mean, Skyrim was like that, you know, years ago. Uh, you know, the, the Zelda was definitely like that. Um, 
but I, I don't typically feel that way about these Sony first party games, um, Uncharted and and God of War. And I don't I, I don't know why that is necessarily. It does seem like it is just the way that they prioritize this stuff. Um, and I, I will say maybe God of War I am liking a little bit more than than Uncharted. Uh, and and I, I mean. Yeah, uh, yes, like I am. I, I God, don't I love dislike Uncharted. Uncharted. It's just like, it's not like, these are games that are never going to be on my top 10 list just because of who I am. Um, but I'm going to keep playing it. I it, It's one of those games where instead of being like, oh, I have to go play this, you know, it's like, okay, if I get some time, I will play this. I'll keep giving it a shot. Um, and I mean, hopefully, by, hopefully by the end, it, that, that changes. And I am kind of just, I have to keep playing. Like, like what you're saying makes sense to me. Like when I think about the games that you get into the most like um your, your PUBGs, your breath of the wild and uh that that hit game. these are very these are definitely kind of games that are a bit more sandboxy they are a bit more like right. you make your your most kind of thing like i think that stuff's fun but I, yeah I, that stuff doesn't like get me i mean i don't i, I think i like that much next person but i don't think i necessarily like that more than just go like i don't mind everybody gets quote unquote the same experience in right. a game i think that's good. I think that's also interesting. I think it can make things kind of more relatable in a way. Like if I talk to somebody about Breath of the Wild, uh, and this is both a good or bad, we, our experiences are going to be completely different with that game. It's, it's almost even can sometimes be hard to talk about because who knows if they saw what I saw. Right. Someone I talk to somebody who beats God of War, like side quests withstanding, uh, then you know I we could pretty much talk about that whole game together. Yeah, and, and again, none of this is to say that sort of thing is just flat out bad uh it, it's just not the thing that i go to first um i'm glad it exists i wouldn't take it away from are, anybody. are you invested in it like story-wise character-wise because that was definitely one of the things i liked was, was the characterization really um i i am i do want to see like i'm waiting for the moment where it's like very plain that kratos realizes like that he completely has no idea what he's doing and he, and he feels worse about that than anything else than than anything he's done in the past, just the fact that he's a terrible dad and he realizes it and, and, and he deals with that. I want to see that moment. I hope it's coming. Um, and, and I'm, I'm very much into seeing how they bring in the Norse mythology. I thought that Balder fight early on was very cool and very promising of like what could come. And they've sort of just kept hitting it ever since then in very interesting ways. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm invested in that stuff enough. And that's, I think that might be why I do actually keep going back to it. And people thought I gave this game a low score with 90. Imagine if you reviewed it. Uh, yeah. I Imagine mean, the I, bricks coming at your face. With, I know, for you, real. you drop that 82 or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. God. Yeah. That, it probably would be in like the low 80s yeah, uh, you, right now. Just uh, You would have, man, you would have actually made Corey Balrog, uh, Balrog <laughs> cry. <laughs> probably. Yeah. I keep wanting to say Corey Balrog, like the thing from, I'm sure he's been getting that like ever since his movies came out. Yeah. Or uh, Balrog from, uh, Street Fighter, right? That's also what he is. Right? Yeah, I guess so. I guess I think these days the uh, the ball robber is from from where he's a little bit more relevant. But I, I, yeah, I think of the boxer first, Mike. That's just oh, who I am. Fair enough, Jeff. Yeah. Well, Jeff, um, yeah. So basically, you know, it's interesting to hear about your opinion. It's bad, but it's interesting. of course, yeah. No, I trust me. I know <laughs> how bad my opinion is. Um, but yeah, that's kind of all I've been playing. Just because uh, when I do get a, an hour here or there, I'm like, okay, I should just keep plugging away at this so I can get further in, so I can have a more valid opinion. And, and I know we're going to talk about uh, some of like what some other gaming reboots and what our favorite ones are. I don't know if you want to do that now. If you want to do the news first, um, 
let's yeah you know what we probably should do that now let's go ahead and do that and then we'll finish up with the news so um what we're going to do is that you know the decides portion of this podcast is going to be like choosing some good uh reboots that kind of match what god of war has done here um mike why don't, why don't you kick us off do you have something that like well, just jumps to mind first well, what's anything else? is just the definition of reboot because right i used to be real hardcore about this where i used to think like a reboot had to kind of reboot everything like storyline right. like like it couldn't in any way be a sequel right and it had to have the word the in front of it, like, it should <laughs> right. be the god of war yeah. right and like yeah it's like my, my old definition this would not be a reboot but like we've seen so many soft reboots now that that i'm at a point now where I, that, that those are just reboots right so. it's clear it's obvious that they are realizing that the soft reboot make it is more palatable to more people uh it, it they tend to sell better or they make more money uh yet they have all of the hallmark right. like star trek 09 was one of the big turning points for me right because right? exactly i love star trek and that's like a reboot it's very reboot it when it's like it's a reboot if it's very clear that they are trying very hard to kind of reset things right yeah and, and, so, they, and it, that movie had like made it part of the story right so, so it was like it was like kind of a sequel right so it wasn't right. connected enough that like i was like well here's just even a reboot and for a little bit i'm like well technically no and then i'm like my, my technicalities are stupid yeah you know, exactly yeah, and they're not even worth bringing up at a certain point so so yeah we are we're definitely going to consider soft reboots for this just because yeah at this point that is mostly what we're getting um so, I mean, when I kind of, I think about this list, I guess if you can go back or we could be like really recent, I think one of the first things that jumps to my mind is Doom uh, from 2016. Man, that was great. That whole thing was funny. How little me, me and you cared about that. We thought it was oh, yeah. stupid that it was happening. Like, I, was like, I was like almost embarrassed when that, mo- when that game yeah, came out. Yeah, I felt the same E3. way. I was like, ha, oh, they think people care about this, idiots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's, oh, man. It, what's, what's interesting is... It's like, like, Doom 3 was itself kind of a reboot. Like, it basically right. was a retelling of Doom 1. Yeah, and they, like, and they brought in other people, like, to, like, really make it a different kind of game. Uh, and, yeah, and then they had, they, they, it's been so, it was so long between Doom 3 and then this new Doom. Uh, they, like, they, not only that, they had, like, a Doom 4 that was going to be, like, Call of Doom. It was going to be, like, Call of Duty, and they mm. completely squashed that, erased it. Good. Came back with this new thing that was, it's still very much Doom at heart, but it also informed by all these modern gameplay features. Um, and it was just a, just an excellent, wonderful game. Just so good. Still in it. Like it's not like, as all these other things happened in gaming since 2016, over the last two years, a lot, I feel like, I feel like a lot's changed. That game is still kind of like holding on to this, like timeless classic, like this instant timeless classic status in my heart, because I can go back to it and play it at any time. It's just like, Whoa, okay. Nothing's as good as this. This is such it's a good so it is just like my favorite, like, First person shooter for the shooting, right? Like especially single player wise, it's just that campaign is just so satisfying to go through. Those fight, mm-hmm. those gunfights are just so much fun, and they manage to like kind of feel like how those older gunfights used to feel before all the cover and stuff like that, but still feel kind of new and fresh and fast paced. Like it's definitely not a Call of Duty type thing, and, and it, that just helps it so much. And it, and it does the, I think a thing that's like important for a reboot or a requel, the reboot sequel thing. Um, and it's, it's, it fully plays on the knowledge of its series and its fandom and like what people think of it. Um, so the doom guy, all the doom guy stuff, um, the way that he is treated as a God or like this, like, or even like this, uh, you know, like sort of like a demigod sort of thing where he's worshipped and you start the game and you you are revived and you look around and there's all these candles and it was clear that they were doing some sort of ritual around you. Um, 
and how like like you know all the demons are completely afraid of you and stuff like that. And it's just that is what we sort of thought of him at the time, and you, you know when you were playing the character in the original Dooms, and then to sort of bring that forward and make it part of the story, uh, it was really well done. And kind of on that same page, you have the new Wolfenstein games, right? Yeah, absolutely. Which, yeah. which I've been enjoying Wolfenstein 2, quote unquote. I, I didn't play the new orders. Was that one like as fantastic enough that, it, I mean, is it better than the Doom reboot? Oh, just the first one. I know you probably like Wolfenstein 2 more than you like the Doom reboot. But what about that first I Wolfenstein? Know, yeah. yeah, so I, 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 they are in the same vein, but they're also at the same time very different in why that the, and why they work. Um, that Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein, the new order, uh, works because yes, they absolutely use the knowledge of video game Nazis to inform how this story should be written. Um, you know, that there are these absurd video game Nazis and that really worked, especially in Wolfenstein too. Uh, but in, in the new order, it was just like, okay, so how do we portray the people who are fighting against the Nazis and make them feel very human and connected and build this family slash team? Um, and a lot of a lot of the the greatness of that game goes into that characterization and and the storytelling and uh and you know just the people you get to meet along the way. I mean, spoiler warning, but like meeting like Jimi Hendrix if you go down one of the paths and like having him as like in, in your crew like playing guitar and telling you how fucking fucked up it is in America still, even though we think the Nazis are so bad. Um, it was. You know, it was just so shocking that a game could come along and do this and be called Wolfenstein and still, still at the same time, also be as ab- as absurd as it always always was, but sort of cheerfully and wonderfully so. Um. So, one of the more recent ones that that I think is like a good example of me liking it much more than its original version is the new Tomb Raider. Oh yeah, and it's, it's another one I do actually I do think the sequel was better. But that first one was still super, super fun. Uh, just kind of a really smart way of making that series interesting again. Kind of like ape, like you know, it it brought a lot of ideas for other things, but from the right things. Like it made a lot of sense for Tomb Raider to take inspiration from Uncharted and uh, throw a little bit of that more open world design in there. But that was just, uh, you know, it, it was a very smart way to take that series. Yeah, they um, it, it, a lot of these feel like impossible. Uh, reboots like oh look just leave it in the past do something new we don't want these things anymore um doom was definitely that way uh wolfenstein it's like no one really even really cared like who cares if you bring that back uh tomb raider though definitely was like i don't i don't even know if i want this at all and they just yeah they modernized it in in every way and it just kind of came through and was this really great thing and again yes rise of the rise of the tomb raiders much better um so so it's nice to see that they continue to grow uh but yeah tomb raider was a great a great way to bring that all back. And around that same time, you had Mortal Kombat, which we, we call Mortal Kombat Nine, but it was just called Mortal. Kombat. Yeah, Mortal Kombat, right? Yeah. Uh, and this, the thing I really liked about that game was like it was kind of the first one to really popularize this more cinematic story campaign mode, right? Like, like we've had some of the more like Japanese anime fighting games have like the, the talking head like mm-hmm. story modes where there's a lot of like dialogue boxes, but there's like full on cutscenes and like this interesting story. And now we see a lot of games doing something very similar. Yeah, and, and it was um, sort of Nian- or not Niantic. Uh, what is it? Um, Nether Realm. Nether Realm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, sort of them figuring out where they are going to fit in the ever changing fighting game space. Um, and it's 
it's one of those franchises. It's like, oh yeah, it's always going to have its fans. It's always going to sell. But once they started that cinematic storytelling stuff and, um, you know, with Mortal Kombat, it's like, oh no, this is actually a huge franchise again. And these games are going to sell really well. And then Injustice is going to come along and, and like sell even better. Um, so it was like really nice to see them figure out how to make this this really not just an old game but an old genre of of fighting games uh, matter in a triple A blockbuster capacity. Right. That, yeah. Like Mortal, the Mortal Kombat series was still around and it was still like good for the most part, but definitely felt like a B series now. This really didn't make it feel top tier again, or it did become top tier again. It did in terms of production and, and sales. Right. Yeah. People uh, yeah. people love those games. Yeah, they're they're fun. They're super fun. Mortal Kombat X was also uh, really good. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm interested to see what they end up doing next because we're due for another one of these games from them. I think it's they're back to Mortal Kombat now because they just did Injustice last. Mm-hmm. They so do the third thing, right? So it's like, what are they going to have next year? How's what's that going to look like? Is, does it continue this, or are they ready for another reboot? Like maybe that could be coming soon. So uh, it's interesting to think about it that way. It's like, yeah, sometimes you you nail it, but you can't like just do this forever. It's going to have to change again. And Mortal Kombat it, Nine was kind of fun in its soft rebooty way where. The story like starts at the end of Annihilation, the one before it, and it's like this basically Raiden like pushes a reset button that he has on him. <laughs> and like it's cool because like then the story like the story like basically is like this kind of altered retelling of Mortal Kombat's one, two, and three, the ones mm-hmm. we all liked and remember the most. So it was like a really kind of fun way to do a reboot if you were right. a fan of the series and like all those characters. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I like I I kind of like. I played it a little bit, but it's one of those things I'm like, oh, I kind of just go back and play through that and X and then do the same thing with Injustice 1 and 2. Um, th- there's some other things uh, on here that like are maybe actually quite a, quite a bit older. I-, I look to like Prince of Persia's Sands of Time as like just a really brilliant. That, yeah, that's, that's definitely one of the early ones I can remember because Prince of Persia, I mean, it was such a different thing. It was one of those kind of like puzzle 2D platformers in the same vein as uh, Another World or, or- out of this world, or whatever that game has two names. Right, and then they're like, well, okay, well, we, we can kind of maybe take the soul of this and make it into a 3D platforming game. Um, right. And they nailed it. You had, like, the it was one of those first, like, parkour genre right. games. Right, very much. Like, the first, because, like, wall running is going to be very important now. Yeah, swinging on bars, and, you know, like, you, like, yeah, you could take your time and, like, really line up your swings, or you could just go, and then you have this great rewind feature if you mess up uh, to make, like, failure, like, kind of very minimal. Wasn't there a much worse like Prince of Persia 3D that was? I remember like seeing it like every like Walmart or Target and like the crappy PCs. Yeah, like bef- before like, this. Yeah. Yeah, so, totally. I think there was, and it was. I think it was like a Tomb Raider ripoff, yes, like a really cheap Tomb Raider was. ripoff. And then after this, like they did, they, they did the two sequels, and then they like rebooted Prince of Persia again in 2008. It was just called Prince of Persia. Yeah, and it was and still it, like, very similar. In, it was still very similar, but yeah, it was like a re- story. And then they un. Did the reboot? They just made like a fourth game in the Sands of Time yep. series, so. and then they're like, "Well, we can't make it open world, so we're never going to make another one of these games again." Because um, Ubisoft only makes open world games. Um, what else, Mike? Do you have anything else that? There's some like less successful ones that are kind of interesting, like uh, the D- DMC that Devil May Cry remake that like some people really liked, and then like other people were really hard on it just for the ways it was different. Right. Yeah, that's one of those games where it's like it rebooted stuff it, it it changed a lot and it was punished for it in many ways by the most hardcore fans 
who didn't want the character to look different. Uh, they didn't. They didn't really want the story to change much. Uh, they didn't want the, like it has. A, it also seems like it has a very different uh, style. Like this is actually one of the only DMC games I played, and it seems like it's the, the themes of this game where it's like you're fighting Fox News. You're fighting demonic Fox News uh, is very different from what they, the the series was in the past. So uh, it seems like people didn't want that either. And I'm like. All this stuff owns, actually. <laughs> this is all really good stuff, finally. So you have like uh, uh Castlevania Lord of Shadows, which had like one sequel that was kind of that was kind of Castlevania trying to become a God of War clone suddenly, and it was a story right. reboot and all these things. Right. Otherwise it, the Castlevania games are they they actually are 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 all on one like story timeline thing other right. outside and it, of these. It has its uh its place uh it's in fine. terms of being like a fine game for that era and that that time but it was never like it was never like any of these others in terms of really making the series relevant. so so sonic the hedgehog 06 sonic 06 was it's so funny because they initially advertised that as a reboot it's just called sonic the hedgehog so you think it's a reboot it what like not only is the game awful but it's not really a reboot it's it's just kind of like sonic adventure 3 called something else yeah i mean they lied yeah the, all of the reboots are almost always just sort of character reboots, right? Cause like that Sonic boom was like a, a like from like a couple years ago, it was like a character reboot, but no, no, the games like gameplay like really changes that much other than getting worse. There, there's some series that change so much. You can't really call much of anything a reboot. And at the same point, like if a series suddenly goes 3d, I'm not going to like super Mario 64 is not a right. reboot. I don't think that's right. Prime's a reboot. I agree. I agree. Like I saw that I was actually like doing, we were talking about this and I'm like looking at some lists and I saw Metro prime on there. I'm it's like, it's just no, it's not. Game. Yeah. Now, Breath of the Wild is kind of interesting. Is that a reboot? Because it's it is it's right very on the edge. different from other 3D Zelda games, right? Right. I mean, so okay. So you remember, like, when in the early days of like Super Mario, Super Mario One and Two and Three were all very different. Uh, is it more similar to that? And like, we're just not used to that anymore. Maybe it, it is very borderline. It's so weird with Zelda because it. They're all kind of story reboots in a way, right? right? Oh yeah, yeah. So for sure, uh, it's it's hard to say that way, but it is just because so many of those three D Zelda games were so similar for so long. The fact that yeah. one was pretty different just makes it feel slightly yeah. rebooty. It's, it, it's definitely it's, not as rebooty as Tomb Raider or Mortal Kombat Nine, right? But it does feel like a real big reset for this series, and this series will be very different going forward from this point. Uh, and and had it not happened, the series would look very different otherwise. Um, so so yeah, I think you're right. It, it's right there on the borderline, and it might might be more uh, in spirit a reboot. Uh, but when you compare it to some of this other stuff, yeah, maybe it doesn't count. Um, I I mean, do, do we want to like pick like the like the best one here, or do you just uh? Yeah, let's pick the best one. Yeah, I, I I mean, God, I I I have a tough time picking between I think maybe Doom and uh and Wolfenstein. And maybe maybe Tomb Raider. Um, I think maybe my favorites from here are, are Doom, Tomb Raider, and Mortal Kombat. So I, Mortal I think Kombat. we can maybe have an easy consensus that Doom 2016 might be the best one. Okay, I agree. Doom right? 2016. Uh, and it's so funny because man, did I not care about that game when it was coming out? Yeah, I, and I would actually be okay with putting like Mortal Kombat on the list of like the top three. Do you yeah. like what was your other one? My other one was Tomb Raider. My other one was Wolfenstein. I, 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 I think the pro- problem with Tomb Raider is that, um, is that Rise of the Tomb Raider is so much better. 
Like Tomb Raider was just like a very solid I guess, game that saved yeah, the series. Well, so was Wolf, Wolfenstein Two was yeah. Well, well, here's, yeah, here's the other thing, about but Wolfenstein. it's more of a continuation. Like, it, it just kind of yes, I, I see what you mean. Well, the other thing with Wolfenstein is it was rebooted quite a bit. Like Return to Castle Wolfenstein was rebooted. That's, there was true. That, That's a good point. That, okay, that other one. Wolf, yes. <laughs> when you put it actually, honestly, when you put it like that, like it almost feels like they were always just throwing spaghetti at the wall with this series, trying to make anything work. Yeah. So the fact that one of them did is like okay, yeah, finally they figured it out. Where Tomb Raider it was like this really did come out of nowhere. I, okay, I can go for that. So we got Doom uh, and then uh, Mortal Kombat and Tomb Raider. Yeah, you're basically Scott well, Adams. I guess Kanye West is going to yeah. retweet you. Say so the time seems like the one we might be leaving leaving off there, but uh, yeah, like like XCOM, I think was a good reboot and stuff like that. But uh, sure. Uh, but I, for me, it was like I never actually played much of the old XCOM game, so it was just like yeah, like oh, like, we're talking about this now. Yeah, I didn't really think about it in that light. So okay, yeah. So Doom number one there. I think we should go Mortal Kombat number two and then number three Tomb Raider. Cool. All right, Mike, let's get into the news. Uh, I think there's a bunch of really big stories since we last spoke uh, on this podcast. Uh, why don't we start with mine? <laughs> my, my big story. I think that's where we should always start. Um, so if you guys remember last week, if you were listening right before the show, so like so right before the show that Mike hadn't even heard the news yet, um, there was a, a breaking story out of Polygon from Chris Plant. He reported that Call of Duty not only wouldn't have a campaign, uh, there was rumblings that it would have a battle royale mode from Raven Software. A bunch of other people after that came out and sort of confirmed that they had also heard this. Sounds like this is in the works. Um, the next day, I was able to, you know, get in touch with a, a source here and a source there uh, to basically confirm the same thing. Yes, what you think is true is true. Dice is prototyping a battle royale mo- mode for the battle uh, Battlefield Five that will launch later this year. Um, Probably if they do green light this, it probably won't come out when the game comes out. And if it does eventually get approved, it'll get rolled out in a future update for free. And that'll be sort of where that comes. But right now, it, it sounds like it's much earlier and much less of a, we have to have this than what Call of Duty is experiencing with Raven Software. You have to make this for our Call of Duty game. So yeah. so it's uh, quite so a bit different, but I mean, not surprising, right? It's not surprising. I mean, it's a little, uh, of course, this is happening. Yeah, uh, did you see that... Um. So we tweeted this out, and the tweet got retweeted a bunch. But the the first reply has like more likes than than our tweet, uh, and it's just this comic strip of that duck going into the building, and then coming back out of the building, and he's just got this face, and it was just like everything was battle royale. Oh yeah, yeah. The, oh the, yeah. Oh the, duck. oh the duck. That's um. Yeah, that's D- Dolan Duck. My brother yes. Chris loves that with with Gooby or uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Everything yeah. was, yeah, that's definitely going to be three this year, but. Yes, and that was, I'm like, this is a very good meme that we're going to see a lot come June. It's, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how these first person series handles Battle Royale. I'll tell you what, it seems better suited to Battlefield than Call of Duty because Battlefield's already kind of a, like, big map, run right. long distances. Uh, right, it feels like they could make those maps bigger if they wanted to, but they're like, oh, let's keep them a certain size because this works. And if they, wanted to, they can make them much, much bigger to support a battle royale mode where Call of Duty, oh boy. Call yeah, of Duty's going to either have to like make their weapons less powerful or make their maps less smaller than your normal battle royale game. I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah, I guess the word was they hadn't got it up to a, a hundred people yet. They were still trying to make that work. So, yeah, good luck with that. Um, 
Okay, moving on. I, I, feel, yeah, I was telling Mike also before the show started that we had a bunch of other news stories on here, but they were like mid-tier stories and everything else. We have six we stories total. That. Yeah, are like all sort of like what is happening story, like level of stories. So uh, number two on this list is Valve has acquired um, fi- Firewatch developer Campo Santo. Um, they... The, the story sort of broke on Kotaku. Like Kotaku was like, "Oh, this is happening," and then Campo Santo posted a blog almost right after that said, "This is happening. We are moving to Seattle. We have, we have joined the Val family to make video games. We will continue to operate as the Campo Santo team, uh, separate from the Valve team. Uh, Valve, if you don't know, creators of Half Life and now mostly be, you know, best known for operating the Steam game distribution so- software platform." And nothing else. You know, they make a few free-to-play games. <laughs> um, this is this is crazy, though, right? I mean, I, they, I guess they were saying, like, a little bit ago, like, you were just there, and they were talking about, oh, we're going to make games again, and maybe this is how they're going to well, do this. this is interesting. Are they making games? Or is this going to hire people who make games now and have them work? I mean, I guess, I, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Well, I mean, that's what they used to do anyways. Yeah. Portal, that's how Portal happened. Right, they just didn't keep their identities, right? Like, they became right. Valve. That's, that's kind of the... I, I am curious to see how much... Are they really going to stay Campo Santo? Uh, like, almost, it almost doesn't seem like a great idea. It almost seems like In the Valley of God suddenly becomes a Valve game and people care more. Although maybe expectations at that point get out of control. I don't know. Uh, it's definitely interesting. I mean, it's, it is just good to hear Valve getting into making games, releasing games in one way or the other. Like, hi- hiring people who make games at Valve is exciting news. Yeah, I, I did not expect... Valve to start buying studios before Microsoft, so it was yeah, like, right. like okay, all right, th- this is what we're doing now. Um, it, you're 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 talking about expectations for the in, in the Valley of the Gods, their next game. Um, but like, what does it do like internally? Like, do they start thinking like, okay, we have to like amp up the budget of this game? Like, we were going to make this game for forty million dollars, and now we have to make it for a hundred and eighty million dollars like do we have to do that like you're or gonna have more resources right <laughs> like right exactly and it's like it would be like weird not to use those resources and be like no we just have like a very small scope well the other strange like, thing then why that, are you why why did valve need to buy you then like yeah I don't, and this is such a like, this is the complete opposite of artifacts this is a single player story driven linear like narrative based game right mm-hmm. so hmm are they making Half Life Three, Mike? Is this? Can we just say it? Are they making after In the Valley of the Gods ships, or are they just going to make In the Valley of the Gods Half Life Three? Is that what's happening here? Well, they're not going to do that, but these people do make first person games, don't they? They do. I don't know, Jeff. I I, I don't dare to dream anymore. Yeah, I'm just going to say no still until proven differently. Um, yeah, th- this is a weird one. I honestly, it's one where I've been like, every, it happened over the weekend when I was very much in not thinking about work mode. And then it like it's like wait what like I can't even process this right now and I'm I, and because it happened during that time I feel like I'm still trying to process it uh, so we might come back to this at some point in the future where I can like really like be like okay here's what I think is happening here because right now I I don't know what I even think um, Mike why don't you take this next story what the hell's yeah, going on with Hearthstone well this is weird because this happened Friday when I, I took Friday off because I was moving and of course yeah and I'm like, oh, Mike's going to get the story. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Mike's off. I, yeah. I got to get this. So I was like, I'm going to break a story. I'm like, oh, no, wait, I have a whole apartment I need to pack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ben Brode, who's been like the director, and more importantly, kind of the face of Hearthstone. Face. since the Jeff Kaplan. Yeah, since, you know, before it launched, is leaving Hearthstone and Blizzard. Yep. 
which it, and he just says like, oh, it's a kind of you know, it's kind of a typical thing like, oh, I'm so happy and I'm so sad, but new opportunities. Uh, yeah, well, not even new opportunities. I'm gonna go start my own thing. Yeah, he's like, I'm just gonna go start my own thing. Yeah, so it, I think Ben Brown kind of realizes his his cachet is at a certain point where he can t- he can take a risk and do something and. He could afford to fail at it, even really. Right. So he's go- yeah. he's going to do that. But it is. I mean, yeah. He he was in charge of one of the most lucrative games of the last couple of years. Uh, so I, I would imagine his his pockets are well lined right now, where he not only can he afford in terms of his cachet, but he could probably afford it financially if something doesn't work out. Um, but make does this say something about where Hearthstone is at? That's what I'm wondering. It says Hearthstone's kind of been around a bit, right? I mean, that at this point that. Ben Brode would feel comfortable moving on from it. Kind of feel like he's done what he did there. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, he'll never say it, but but was it stressful or maybe not satisfying to work on Hearthstone's what ninth expansion as it was yeah, maybe the I first mean, few ones? You know, I, I, I don't understand it. I mean, right. I, honestly, in the in his in the the post he put in the forums. Uh, I don't know if he necessarily even tried to hide the fact that that was maybe what yeah. was motivating him here. Cause he was like, I'm finally going to go create something again. And you put create in italics. Uh, so it sounds like he's, he wants to get away from maintaining and back to creating. And maybe that's what he thinks he's best at and, and what makes him the happiest. And so much of his job recently was being the face was right. doing these videos and streams and talking to the community. And the, th- the problem is he was very good at that. And it's something that Hearthstone might be missing now. It also just kind of makes the community lose part of their connection to the game because everyone yeah. liked Ben Bro and everybody loved the Ben Bro memes. Like they all thought he was in. Even mean, when people were mad at Hearthstone, they never were mad at Ben Bro. Really, gotta, gotta teach him how to say goodbye. Yeah, right. Then. Right. Um, it it is weird because it was one of the things you just didn't think about. Like, oh, Ben Bro can't leave Hearthstone. He is Hearthstone, and even though he isn't, right, in in, in a lot of ways. It's one of those things like, well, is Jeff Kaplan going to leave Overwatch someday? And now I'm like, I guess right. so. And yeah, right? and he, like, these people aren't going to want to work on the same game for forever. Yeah, it's inevitable. And it's like Blizzard really has to nail this transition and has to be like, all right, next person up. Who's going to be up and, and fill that gap and do just as good or a better job? Because uh, we need to prove that we can do that because we want these games to last forever. Um, so and, and th- this position, I think Blizzard, more than any other company, has proven the face of blank game is actually pretty crucial if and you're running a live yeah. service. And it's weird how they, they almost kind of just stumbled onto that because of, you know, Ben Brode first. And then immediately afterwards, he had Jeff Kaplan. Jeff Kaplan's even funnier because he's like, he's, he's sort of like become, he's like sort of like, yeah, he's much personable more, despite himself. Like he's, he's yeah. kind of like this. And he's very much a, a living meme and embraces it and doesn't yeah. shy away from it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, they're doing really good at that stuff. So, and, and I think they know now how important it is. So they're going to be looking for the next person to fill out the, fill those shoes. Um, and we'll see how they sort of handle it going from here. Um, all right. This story, this story happened today. Um, and I'm just like, okay, this, this all right. All right yeah, let me just explain it. So a few months ago, Quantic dream, the developers of Detroit become human, which is coming out soon. And some other, some other games, they're all the, the sort of cinematic stuff where you choose what's going to happen. Um, uh, it's a French company in Paris. A report came out of three different French media publications saying that this studio has a toxic culture with, um, with some, uh, accusations of at least mild racism, uh, sexism, homophobia, uh, and sort of a 
low morale because people are afraid to say anything, even though it's really bothering them. Examples include uh, photoshot pictures of employees uh, as Nazis and in sexually demeaning scenarios. Um, there is a another story where a the studio gets like robbed slightly, some stuff gets stolen. Uh, the person in the video looked to be of Tunisian descent, and there's a Tunisian person watching the video along with um, what's his name, um, the Quantic Dream Boy. Mr. Qu- David Cage, he's watching the video along with that Tunisian man says, Hey, is that your cousin? Um, th- things along these lines where it's like, oof, that sounds like a pretty rough place to work. And it's good that this stuff is coming to light so it can change. Well, Quantic Dream is now suing these French uh, media outlets for a defamation, essentially. Um, uh, you know, because they're saying this isn't true. And these people, the, these people are lying to hurt our character. Uh, in public, which would be the basis of that the, the legislation. Of course, laws for this kind of thing are different between countries. Uh, America's laws are very uh, limited in terms of what you could do to someone like this. Although we've seen like the Hulk Hogan case with Gawker, it can still go through and have like really far-reaching effects on media companies. Um, and I'm sort of in a point where I'm like, okay, this is actually super duper crossing the line for Quantic Dream because you don't. If you're in that situation, what you do is, is you say, first of all, okay, maybe, I, I think that maybe the stories were unfair, uh, but when we hear it, we're going to look into it and we're going to do better no matter what. Um, and you know, if, if, the, if you can prove that they're unfair, you do it, you do it actually out in the open and not necessarily in court uh, because you don't want to be the person suing the press uh, because now I feel like, okay, this is this is has this is so much bigger than just a, a weird guy running a, running a shitty studio. Now he's actually coming after sort of our jobs and saying, if you try to cover what's happening here, um, we're gonna try to hurt you and, and put you out of business. And it's like, you know, that that okay, I, you, you could do that, but now I have to sort of think about it in a a much larger sort of. Do we even cover this game in a from a from a flat out just like okay, here's what this game is without ever bringing up all this other things, uh, these other things that are going on. It's very strange now, man. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It helps helps I don't like David Cage games, though, so if I don't have to cover it, I'm not particularly... I've never been much for it. Let's say we wouldn't wouldn't cover it. It was just like we'd have to, uh, at at all times, be like... um, Right, like, disclaimer, you know... uh, Yeah, and and like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, you know, flat out, we stand with the people that did this coverage because it seems like they did a pretty good job. Like, you don't sort of get three different publications working together to publish something like this uh, and then them get everything wrong. It just doesn't happen. There's too much... There, there, there's too many working cogs, like, that have to, like, click together. And one of these newspapers and websites are going to be skeptical of the other and be like, wait, are they trying to pull us into something? And they're going to double and double and double check all their stuff. So it just seems very unlikely that this is some completely fabricated, fabricated story. So yeah, I guess I would just say, yeah, we stand with the companies that are being sued in this case and uh, sort of, I don't know, personally, I condemn David Cage and what he's doing here. Um, all right. A lot of big stories. Uh, next one, Final Fantasy VII Remake is strive. This one's actually not that big. We kind of knew what it was, but you know they, they have new job listings that reconfirm that Final Fantasy VII Remake is going to exceed the original, quote-unquote. Uh, what does this mean, Mike? It means that... Uh, I don't even know what they're doing. Uh, did I tell you about my, my Hemingway revelation about retro gaming? 
No, tell me. So I was reading uh, uh, Sun Also Rises because I never read Hemingway, and I was like, I should probably read some Hemingway. And it, it was fantastic, you know, obviously, right? Turns out Hemingway is a, a good writer. Uh, but, you know, the book, it has some of that 1920s uh, jargon. and Right, he got uh, paid by the word, and he didn't shy away from from that for sure no well he's actually very succinct and he's, he's good at bait but he's just using like these terms from the time that i don't like like when people were drunk he said they were tight and i, I never heard that and, and like stuff like that right and i'm like what tight oh i have to look into it and see what it means blah blah and i was kind of thinking like well even though i don't understand these words and it takes a lot of your time i kind of like that they're here that they in this interesting way age this thing and kind of put it in its place and i'm like right. oh this is why i like retro games the way they are because it's not like like Aging and technological limits, they, they aren't just like, you know, limits. They do put them in that place, and that isn't necessarily bad, right? Like, I think it's fun that when I play Final Fantasy VII, it reminds me of that era it, it was made in, and I, I have all those markings of it uh, and, and stuff like that. It's just the same way how it would be stupid to go through, uh, you know, a Hemingway book and get get rid of tight and put wasted in <laughs> Right. Yes, that would no, be absurd. Now, yeah, no, it's, real, it's obviously there's there's remakes that I like, and, and uh, like I, I praise the Shadow Class remake. So it, there's always this line, but it, it's it seems so strange to me to remake Final Fantasy, not just replace all the graphics, but just it seems like they're this whole we're gonna make a new game out of it thing is is real strange. So you know, right along the same lines of what you were just talking about, there was a. Um, Twitter thread today talking about the way that Disney restores its yeah, I saw that. old movie. And it's like they had this one, the, the two stills from the original Cinderella and it was Cinderella, I think maybe. Mm-hmm. It was Cinderella. Okay. And then the restored one that was on Blu-ray that came out a few years ago. And they, they showed how like the restoration actually ended up covering up some of the line work on the dress. Yeah. Like, the, in the details, the, the, de- the details of the, fo- the dress folding over itself in the original movie, it, it was it was yeah very. It, it sort of told the story of her movement, and in the new movie, it's just this blank white dress or you know light blue dress, um, and it's like oh wow, I don't want that at all. Actually, that's not what I want when I go to look at these movies. And yeah, like there's a lot more um, you know noise in the image of the original, and the grain is there, and the colors aren't as bright and vibrant. Uh, but when I'm looking at it, I'm like, it's actually, I want to go to those movies because of what they were, not because of what right. we w- expect them to be now. Yeah, like, yeah, like the way they, they're restoring these things to the point where they don't even really look like how they looked when right. they came out is, is, is kind of bizarre. And, you yeah, know, and they're like using it, modern technology to do that. They like yeah. use rotoscoping and they like use computers to cut these characters out and basically repaint over them and make the movie again. And it's, yeah. D- Disney's problem is the one that game publishers are facing kind of times 10. Because they're dealing with oh, movies yeah. that, like, what Snow White, you know, in in the in two thousand thirty seven or so, is going to be a hundred year old movie, right? right? And they're still going to want to release that on uh, whatever like water discs we're playing movies on back then to make money off it. So yeah, water uh, discs definitely the medium of the future. Oh, Sony's yeah, already sure. patented them. Well, sure. you know, we're going to get away from that. Oh yeah, it's garbage. <laughs> right. So, but you know, video games had accelerated so much that. We, they, they don't just like they already did make Final Fantasy VII available for PlayStation uh, Four, right? But they don't. That's not good enough. And to be fair, people were clamoring for this remake, right? Like I so said, they had to do it. I'm not quite sure why. Um, I thought I kind of said at least if like okay, fine, you're gonna up- update the graphics, but I don't know what they're doing. Exceed the original, like 
what does that mean? In what ways do you exceed the original? Like you're like you will automatically quote unquote have better graphics than the original. Right. I guess I don't know if they're going to be better suited graphics. Uh, that I mean, sense. the way I read it is the way that I think that we're talking about it, where they are going to release Final Fantasy VII Remake as if it were a game that first released today. Um, I think that's what they mean, and and, they, and I. I agree with you that that means we are going to end up losing a lot of what made the game, you know, of its time, which is important. And one of the things you want to experience when you go to play these games. And at the same time, I don't necessarily know why we would want to experience a, a Final Fantasy seven that is of today instead. Yeah. I mean, especially since Final Fantasy seven had all these very 1990s uh, versions of themes like terrorism and other things right. that we just those those things have very different meanings today. Right, uh, yeah. Now, the reason I don't get upset about it is because I know Final Fantasy VII, as it was, is always going to be there. Yeah, uh, this is not, none of this is worth getting angry about. It's just sort of trying to figure out where the, where their head's at in terms of how they're making games. Right, and I mean, the truth is this probably is going to make a zillion dollars because, I mean, maybe that's just all it is. They know that they released something called Final Fantasy right. VII and it's new and different. I, I guess what's strange to me is, again, I understand just putting new graphics on it, I don't understand why it seems like they're even going through a lot of extra trouble to change the gameplay when I, it seems like a bad thing to do and an ambitious thing to do. Yes. It's yeah. It just seems like this, this big risk that they're taking that doesn't, that doesn't seem like it's going to have a huge payoff on the other side. Maybe it will, but right. and this is from the studio that brought us, you know, the, the 10 year development cycle for Final Fantasy 15, right? Like there's things already right. take too long. And Final right, you know, yeah. Fantasy, like they're memes. So that's what that I think. I mean, that's actually the the final point I would want to talk about here is coming off of Final Fantasy 15 and having that game be a success in terms of it's it's the way it's perceived and and seemingly the way it's sold and now getting it on PC relatively quickly. um, You would you would think that they are going to say, all right, now let's turn around and pivot and start saying, let's get a game out once every two years in this series that is of at least similar scale to this, but really it's just, it's about like showing that we can do this and continually making the series more refined and what, better. What I really would have loved was the final fantasy 16 that took a lot of the mechanics of 15, a lot of those ideas and made something more refined. I mean, more a lot refined of those, with a new setting, new characters right. and stuff like that. Yeah. That like totally maybe something should, that was they a bit more fantasy, like medieval fantasy, like, like final fantasy when it was at its best, a lot of those games were mechanically very similar, like four through nine, those games basically played exactly the same, but they just made a lot of refinements and a lot of changes in different ways. Yeah, re- remixes right. here and there, yeah. To the point where I feel like they could have definitely gotten something more out of this Final Fantasy XV engine that was really good and mechanically was very good. Like, And I wonder if that is ultimately what Final Fantasy VII is going to be, if it is just yeah. going to play like that suddenly. Yeah, I think, what it, I, think what, I think what will happen is, yes, it will, but it will have all these other elements that they're going to have to like really consider and really think about that it's still going to take forever, and they're going to they're just right back in another one of these quagmires that lasts for uh, like way too long in terms of how you should be developing a video game. Uh, that it's just not financially reasonable to, to, be do, to be doing that anymore, and then they'll have to close a couple other studios that are unrelated and doing just fine, but you know they can't afford to pay for them anymore. So yeah, it's it's weird. I, I I don't get it, but I mean, it is what people were clamoring clamoring for. So it kind of seemed like I I guess it had to happen. Maybe it did. I don't know. Yeah, but maybe we had maybe it had to happen so we can learn better, or maybe yeah. it'd be great. I don't know. 
Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe we'll be regretting this conversation. Um, last one. This is just big for me. Wave Race, Wave Race producer teases a series revival for the Switch. Yes, please. That'd be cool. Do, do you think you can go home again on that one? Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I, Why not, I, right? Yeah, I totally do. I, I think there's uh, a lot you could do in terms of uh, making the structure of like how the races work uh, and, and how the online works. Um, and and really also play up just the bit beautiful visuals of the water and the physics of jumping around on those things. Uh, yeah, that stuff can definitely still work today. Not, not much else was like that then still nothing like it now, even those, uh, like hydro thunder games never really got close to this in terms of how it felt to, you know, run one of those jet skis across the water in the waves. Um, so yeah, I would love that. And I wanted to come back. I think though, I think that means we're done, Mike. I think we're completely finished up here. Uh, with this relatively beefy podcast. Yeah, that's good stuff. Good stuff. You know, you're so stupid for not loving God of War. How dare you only <laughs> like it? Yeah, but exactly. Otherwise, uh, I got to say I, a lot of smart things. And uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm, right. I'm pretty proud of you, Mike, for all the smart things you said. I read a Hemingway. Yeah, that was very impressive. Yeah, I'm, I was I'm like, very oh, smart. I read all the words until they stop. This is a smart boy. This is a, I got one of them smart ones on my podcast now. Um, okay, yeah, we're going to wrap this thing up. I think... I will be coming back probably for the next couple episodes to talk more about God of War. Um, we'll so I actually like find it. it. I mean, yeah, there, there are developments. I do think it does get. Yeah, I do think it gets better until and I can kind of put in the words on where I was talking about why is it a ninety? It, it does suffer from the thing that almost all action RPGs suffer from the uh, the reverse difficulty curve, mm-hmm. where you get so many new abilities and so many like so much better armor, and you can get to this point where you're doing side quests naturally, but you're like kind of stronger than the game, like thinks you should be the boss, which by the way, is one way I can articulate why Kingdom Hearts is great. Cause it's one of the few action RPGs oh, I played that doesn't that? really have a terrible reverse difficulty curve. Like that game is usually just everything else is terrible. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, you suck. Jeff. It's a really bad game. Jeff's the worst. Just that first Kingdom Hearts playing that last year with Steph on PlayStation on the like actual PlayStation two, uh, that was one of the worst gaming experiences oh ever. I'm so frustrated the entire time. We can, oh my God. we should like when that series, uh, when that new game comes out, we should actually like do a retrospective. Fight to the death. Oh, a retrospective. Sure. We have, I mean, I'm going to be shitting all over it the whole time, but you know, Kingdom Hearts 2 is one of my favorite games of all time, right? Kingdom Hearts 2. I, I might get that great. I one's also great by the way. So don't think you're going to like, you know, yeah, no, 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 I know. <laughs> I know I'm not. Cause I was like, all right, I'm going to, let's, let's see what happens next in the series. They're like, no, the next one basically starts with like nothing happening for the first oh, three people hours. People do not well. like that opening. No. Yeah. They're... It's very long. It sets up a lot of things that I enjoy, but, uh, it's slow. I'm glad they made a, a game just for you. And I hate it so much. Uh-huh. All right. Let's get the hell out of here, Mike. Why don't you tell people where they could find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Tolkoto. That's T-O-L-K-O-T-O. Also writing on Gaze Beats every week, which includes my uh, retro beat column. goes up on Wednesdays. I, I think I'm going to elaborate on my, my Hemingway retro gaming connection a little more in this next next. Uh, give, give us a hot take. Yeah, Mike, right? That's actually quite... yeah, it's more of a classy take, maybe. Yeah, yeah class, class, bow, bow tie take. That's a take. Yeah. yeah. And I'm also doing the Exploding Bro podcast every week with my brother at ebpodcast.com. I talked a bit more about uh, God of War and that. So if you want to hear more of my thoughts, uh, give that a listen. Yeah, Find me on gamesbeat.com, the home of the classy take. I think that should be our new tagline. Um, I, you know, in addition to uh, that story last week, I think I actually, I did a couple of stories on God of War that I was pretty happy with. Um, one was talking about how it is an escort mission, but we are the ones being escorted by Atreus. Um, whose name I spelled wrong, and Aram from uh, Sony had to be like, hey, Jeff, 
you spelled it wrong every single time. I'm like, oh, let me fix that real quick. So yeah, that was, yeah, but no, that was a that was a fun story to write because it's like I sort of realized it that same day as I was talking about it on Twitter. I'm like, yeah, the, the you know it's. Uh, you're going through here and, and Atreus is like yelling at you not to do this, not to do that. And like, oh my God, we are the escort mission. Like we are, <laughs> developers are making games and they have to escort us through all the stuff that they made for us. And they, they must be so frustrated with us all the time. So and I just ima- shit. Yeah. And I just imagined Corey Bar- uh, Balrog, Bar- Barlog. God, I did it too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sitting in interviews, getting asked that question. Like, is it just one big, uh, one big escort mission? And him being like, I, I want to uh. strangle you right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a, a fun story. I'm glad I wrote that. Go ahead and check that out if you get a chance. Uh, and you can also get me on twitch.tv slash jeffgrub, uh, where I will probably pl- be playing some more God of War, uh, a few other things. I'm going to try that Battletech game. That's my next big thing to try. I got to try this uh, Star Wars uh, digital card game. This, this, Star wait, Trek. Star, I mean, Star yeah. Trek. Digital card that came out on Steam today out of nowhere. Like, yeah, so I was wondering if you had tried that yet, uh, but you haven't even have you uh, booted it up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll yeah, tell me about that when you get a chance. Um, uh, I'm excited to hear how that goes. Uh, finally, youtube.com slash Jeffrey Grubb. Um, I posted some gameplay footage of Survive.io, or Survive.io, which is one of these, like it's like a Gar.io or Slither.io, uh, where you play as like a little circle, and it's online, uh, and it's in your browser, and you just put like that survive.io into your chrome or whatever and it boots right up and you can hop right in but it's also a battle royale so you're looting guns and you know you're finding armor and you're trying to be the last person standing and it works surprisingly well and it's still really fun it's like man this game mode just works no matter what you do do to it so yeah again everything in e3 is going to be that um all right mike let's get out here let's tell all these kids to have a good one and to be kind to each other and uh, I'm, I, apparently, I'm going to have to spend the next week trying to rescue you from the 1990s just based on looking at your room. So I'm going to go build, <laughs> I'm great, gonna build a time huh? machine. Got, got, my, got the Genesis and, yeah, and the there. Zenith. Morse coming. Morse coming. Morse coming. All right. I'm looking forward to see that like wall get built up around you with a bunch of geeky stuff. So, All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Bye.